Because I started preaching sex a lot earlier. If I knew you would come to church because of this. But um, last Thursday was good. Um, I had fun um, talking about it. And our small group meetings were also quite helpful. Um, we're going to progress that discussion tonight. Um, and we're going to do it slightly differently. Um, last week, I tried to put in context um, this whole concept about sex. And the fact that it's not just enough for us to discuss boundaries. Because everybody here kind of knows, at least you've heard the boundaries before that God has put in place. And so we have this small slide um, where we said there were, there's a whole ecosystem working there. And, oh yeah, that's it. And we said, when we think about our cousin, and you all remember what our cousin's name is? Femi, yes. When we think, <laughs> and there is an actual Femi in this church who's not very happy with most of us, but, uh, but we'll continue. So when we think about Femi's sexual experience, that whole ecosystem, um, that there's more than just this understanding of boundaries. And we spoke about the purpose and design of sex. We spoke about body magic and the fact that God has created us with um, sexual capacity and intention. The fact that God did not, he created you with the intention that you will have sex. Um, uh, we spoke about the fact that everyone has different history and experiences and people um, have had loads of experiences. Some people have had very little or no experience. We spoke about the fact that uh, people have mindsets. People have mindsets and that and we, we threw out a couple of challenges asking, when you think about sex, do you think about something that is beautiful? Or is it casual? Do you think about something that is repulsive? Or is it holy? Do you think about something that is powerful? Or is it something to be trifled with? And we said, you know, your mindset um, kind of begins to craft the experience that you would have. And we spoke about desires and pressures. I remember reading that scripture where Paul says, but instead of a person to born, but it is it's good for the person to marry. And some people came to me later and said, I said we should not hug anymore. No, that's not what I said. You're relieved, Abby? Yes. <laughs> so we can still hug, but I just said that, you know, um, that sometimes when I see people hug, I can see the fire. Yeah? <laughs> Help me ask your neighbor, are you on fire? <laughs> right. You're laughing. <laughs> All right, <laughs> all right, and we said so. And we said no. So it's sex 101. So we have put that in place. So tonight, we want to progress that discussion a bit. Next week, Pastor Godman will be here on Thursday, um, and he will talk about myths, the things which we believe. Because I said in my group, we were sitting down there last Thursday, but it's very important that we do not believe a lie. It's a dangerous thing for you to believe a lie. And so next next Thursday, Pastor Godman will be speaking about myths. And I think he will also be here the upper Thursday. So please don't miss it. Bring someone. It's very important. I just want to say something before I bring up our guest tonight. Um, you know, we can all be laughing and smiling like this. Um, and there are people who have peculiar challenges. And at life point, we trust God in this season that we will make progress. That it won't just be something we talked about. So if there's anyone who needs help, um, at the end of the meeting, the, I'll be here um, if you don't want people to see, talk, you know, talking, see you talk, just leave your name, leave your number, and I will call you. Um, before the service ends, our numbers will be on the screen. My personal email address will be on the screen. Please send me an email. If you like, you don't want to put it in, just put it, send me a blank email. I will respond. I will find you. I'll call you. But the thing is, because we want to, 
Sorry? <laughs> okay, no, the thing is, because I know that sometimes the process for reaching out for help can be difficult. But I want us to understand that we've all been there and we're all work in progress. All right? All right? Praise God. All, all in agreement, say, I. <laughs> all right. Um, um, as, so, yeah, and as, as we bring up, I'm going to have a couple of questions for our speaker. And um, if you have questions, please write them down, pass it to the usher. See a couple of standing in the aisles. And please don't write them. Don't put your name and number. Just write, you know, my cousin Femi used to have this kind of issue. You know, what do you think? And, and let's, have, let's have a good discussion. Okay? Okay. Um, our speaker tonight is, um, is perhaps one of the country's leading um, um, professionals in the field of consulting for sex, sex addiction, um, sex that has gone haywire, <laughs> um, all sorts of, on sex in general. He's um, someone who's got a very um, interesting story. I've listened to him speak before, and I know he has a heart for God and for God's people. Um, he doesn't like me calling him pastor, and so I have moved away from that, and I'll call him a reverend. <laughs> Uh, so please let's put our hands together and let's welcome Praise Fuwe as he joins us at Life Points this evening. Okay, so um, a couple of things are going to happen. We're going to sit. Um, I'm going to break, break this in. The pulpit needs to move at some point. Thank you. I need an extra mic also. Um, this is my Larry King moment. Come on, guys, give me. Where's an extra mic? Do I have an extra mic? Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Okay. Right. Can everybody see us? Not everybody. If you can't see us, you have to relocate. Okay. Welcome, very welcome. It's my pleasure. Mike, we're just going to keep on talking. Okay. Okay. Um, um, Praise. What kind of name is that? <laughs> it's very name, spiritual. The name of a person. <laughs> no, not how did, how an did animal, place, or thing. No, no. But how did you, how did you get the name? Was, was my that... my parents. Um, my dad was an Anglican priest. Oh wow! You okay. so you're a child of a priest. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, it just they gave me quite a number of names, and um, it wasn't rightly pronounced. But my mom had a particular one she used to call, so I just picked it up. What are the other names? Uh, Ola Dimechi, Bamikoli. Okay. Yeah. Then Oluwashion. Okay. So. All right. I was just wondering, you know, this project, praise. When you could hear names like that, it just. So your parents always knew you were going to be a man of God. Man of God, I, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Um, so last week we started this discussion about sex. Yeah. And the, one of the things we discussed was why is sex such a powerful thing? Why is this a big deal? Okay, um, sex, of course, you know that the best-selling product globally is sex. So we say sex sells normally. Um, and the people do advertisement, I mean, advertising agency, they know that um, um, sex sells. And ideally, I mean, normally, whatever is covered, whatever you don't talk about, is what a human being would naturally gravitate towards. So, um, because there are parts of your body that is covered. Um, so you see a lady, you know, um, her face is not covered, but there are parts of her body that is covered, you know, uh, private regions, there are breasts and everything. You know, so naturally, 
you know, you want to find out. It was just like when God told Adam, you know, you can hit of everything, but don't hit this particular one. Of course, you realize that that was the one he, he ran after <laughs> eventually, you know, and it's the same thing with her. So, um, so tomorrow, for example, if the, if the ladies begin to cover their nose and the advertisement, advertising agency begin to talk about Nassau sex, right, and they say to you that the, the sexiest part of a woman are the dirts and the nose that once you suck it, it gives you a kind of feeling, right? You realize that naturally men begin to gravitate towards that as well, you know? So whatever is covered, people, oh, you <laughs> people, people run towards it. And of course, the way God has created us, he created a male and female, right? So naturally, um, you know, we're supposed to attract um, ourselves, you know? Um, so that's why um, sex sells and um, the, the, the people know that to attract guys, Give them girls, and to attract the girls, give them guys. You know, so media has just overhyped it, and it also stems from the fact that at some point we've lost touch with who we are, we've lost touch with our identity, right? Because um, if we go back to the default mode of the house that God created, and then we get back to our identity, you realize that hey, uh, probably if we had been living in the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't have bothered so much because we would have been naked and wouldn't have known, would have been unashamed unashamedly naked, right? So, um, I think that's... So, we all have just been walking around naked in the garden. Why not? Animals are still walking around naked and they, they don't feel ashamed. Okay. I want us to start from a, um, from a... from one... It's a bit of an extreme, but it's important. Um, I realized, because one of the things we talked about last week was that people have different sorts of experiences. And for some yeah. people, the experiences they've had about sex is not, it's negative, it's yeah. painful. It's, um, for example, there are people who um, have been raped. Yeah. There are people who have been abused. And this is um, men, male and female. Yeah. I, I have counseled with people who, from a young age, um, people experimented with. Yeah. And um, it forms, still forms a, a huge part of, you know, their their the way they react and think about sex yeah. and, and their sexual experiences is hard. What is the... And, and this also includes people who have raped people. Yeah. And I say that because, you know, it's a, it's a sad place to be because there's, there's guilt and, and there's all that. And it's hard. How, how, what is the path of healing for such people? Okay, the path of healing is meaning, meaning, meaning. Um, in my profession... We say, there is a saying that we normally use all the time. We say, nothing means anything except the meaning you've attached to it. Right? Nothing means anything except the meaning you've attached to it. Um, most of the times, facts are different from opinion. And I believe that opinions are exaggerated facts. Right? So, the guy forced you and he raped you. Right? That was a fact. Right? Now, what the meaning you've attached to that rape is an opinion. And oftentimes, it's exaggerated. Right, so that rape happened when you were probably seven or nine or eleven, right? Um, right. So the exaggeration or the meaning you've attached to it is why you're still being affected at the age of thirty. Okay, so it's meaning. So if I do this to you, what does it mean? What does waka mean? Iyai. Okay. Are you aware people have killed themselves over this before? Now. Who taught you that? You met it like that. But if you do this same waka to a one-year-old boy, he's going to assume that you were trying to wave about, I mean, goodbye, and your hand got stuck, 
and he will smile and help you finish it. Now, if you go out of Nigeria to maybe Japan or Canada and you do the same waka, some teenager is going to run towards you and give you a high five. If you go to Anglican church and you stand at the altar and you do the same waka, congregation will stand because they assume that you want to end the service. Right. Nothing means anything except the meaning you've attached to it. So the meaning you attach to a thing is so powerful. And that meaning can make or mar you. So um, you were raped. It was a fact. I mean, you were raped. Now, what meaning did you attach to that rape? Um, was it a, and it's the same way when people sin. Um, I mean, personally, I always want people, especially young people I mentor, there are movies you shouldn't expose children to. Um, the experience of God we had, uh, I mean, for a long time, I battled with fear. I felt God was going to kill me. I felt I had demons inside of me. Because as a child, they would take me for deliverance sessions. I mean, um, where they deliver people, my sisters, as you, you know, and... I would always hear them say that once the demon leaves the pers- left the person that they were delivering, it would enter the person who is less pa- uh, powerful, that is less spiritual. So on my way home, I'll be having internal discussions with me that this demon has entered me. You know? And it, it followed me till my adulthood. I'm always afraid. I was always afraid of darkness. Of, you know, you, so the meaning I attached to that at that age, right, lived with me till I got to my adulthood. And in the same way. So you've had all kinds of things. Um, once you are raped, your life has been taken away. Uh, it's the meaning. It's the meaning. But let me say this to you. The moment you look at that rape experience, and I, and I was sharing an experience I had um, with a lady who had been raped three times. The first time she was raped by three guys. second time she was raped by five. The last time she was raped by seven guys. Now, all her life, she had, you know, she had lost her esteem. Her esteem was taken away. She, as in, she, she, she had grown not to love herself, not to believe as she was dressing anyhow. But along the line, she had that, okay, you, you don't waste your pain. Start helping people. So she started an NGO. She started helping people. Now, what I found out with people running NGOs of rape is that even though they they think they have overcome that rape, most of them eventually they begin to rape themselves. Now, but they don't know that they rape themselves. So they deprive themselves of comfort to help other people. That's another dimension of rape that they are not looking at. So this girl, I was doing that, but she had not healed. So when she came to my office and I was running a session, um, what I did for her, because I realized that all her life she had not gone back to those rape experiences. So I took her back mentally, which I hope I'll be able to run one or two sessions before I go with some of you. Took her back mentally to that rape experience. So um, the, the guys, um, the five guys that raped her, I took her back to that experience. She's never seen it before. I took her like a mental movie. You know, I call it neural, um, neural um, journey. Back to that experience. Now she looked at it, right? She saw them do the act again. She saw the rape again. Then I began to ask her questions, right? To say, now look at those five guys. Which of them has become great in life? None of them. Which of them has become this? None of them. Which of them have you seen on TV? None of them. Which of them has become a Mark Zuckerberg? None of them, right? Nothing about them. But I said, okay, so look at your life. Now governors call you. Now you travel around. Now you help a lot of people. Now, so I asked her, without that rape experience, who would you have become? Then it occurred to her for the first time that if you take that rape away from her, most likely she would have just become an ordinary, any ordinary girl, not helping people, right? So for the first time, she changed the meaning. The meaning had always been pain. They used me. They messed my life up. But now she saw a point to be grateful for. That without this rape experience, a life won't have meant so much to other people. 
So from that point, at the level of her mind, she looked at them and she said to me the praise, I actually need to thank these guys. So in her mind, she began to say to them, thank you, because without you, I wouldn't be here. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, what changed was, now, it, was, it didn't invalidate the fact that she was raped, but what changed was the meaning. The meaning she had always attached to it had been, was pain. Oh, they used me. They, even though it happened many, many years ago. But the moment she changed the meaning, her physiology changed, and something happened to her. When she went to work the following day, by the third day she called me, she said, Praise, what has changed about me? That everyone at work began to commend her, that her dressing had changed, that she looked more confident. Why? Because she had, in fact, that day, she began to cry. And she told me that that was the first time she'll be crying in her life after so many years, right? So it's the meaning. Once we can change the meaning, right, every other thing can change, okay? And um, if, I, if, I, yeah. if I interrupt you, now, isn't it the case, and I, and I hear you, and I think this is such a beautiful uh, uh, learning and perspective. But isn't it the case that sometimes people are unable to ascribe um, a different type of meaning to it because of where they are in their lives? So, well, so, so if I say, oh, look, my life is just terrible, I'm broken down, low self-esteem, I'm not doing well financially, I'm not doing well uh, spiritually, I'm not doing well in my relationships, isn't it the case that they find it difficult to then they, they, they use the present, so sometimes, when I say they, we, then use the present circumstances to say, to validate uh, uh, that meaning we've given. Well, it's, it's, it's a comeback to you, you know. The problem is, in African Nigeria, especially, we don't have people who can help professionally, okay? The, the only help most people know is we come to church. And it's not, church is a dimension of help, right? But God has given wisdom in different, that's why I love um, an elevation church and what they're doing, okay? Um, so we need to be able to, so the wisdom of a psychologist is totally different from the wisdom of a pastor, right? But both are from God, right? So when people learn to know who to go to, where to go to, right? You can, there are therapy you can run that will literally change your belief system. Um, there are guided meditation you can be subjected to, um, all kinds of tools available to you. And once people learn to take advantage of those tools, it, it, it would help them uh, ultimately. But I, I need to say this to you that, yeah, if this rape was very powerful, this rape did not stop you from eating. You, were not, you, you didn't stop eating from that point of rape, okay? You still knew that a human being needed to eat. That rape, and, and I'm not... It's, this is not me not showing empathy. And trust me, I've been there of um, being, uh, being a sex toy from age four. So I, I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. It didn't stop you from growing physically. It didn't stop you from going to school. Probably you even led your class. It was just that you couldn't overcome. You couldn't understand why it was you that was picked. Why not Risi? Why not Sherifat? Why not Choma? Why was it you? Okay, so it's why me, why me, why me, why me, you know, that has led you to a point where you begin to cry and you begin to mourn and you begin to mourn the situation that has happened to you, right? But when people, and people need to be helped to overcome and rise above that situation in the realm of their mind. Now, once you can rise above it, um, intentionally change the meaning. Um, so, for example, opera changed our own meaning. And you can see what she's made out of her life. Just may I change that meaning, right? You can see what she's made out of her life. That at the end of the day, life is a choice. The meaning you, you give to things will, to a large extent, determine our, and, and even our relationship with God. Um, in Africa, we love the God, the killer. 
because the, the experience of God we had as Africans, the original gods we knew were Amadeus, Shongo, Ogun, who were unapproachable. They never loved. They were killers. So when God was introduced to us, we naturally picked up the unkillable killer. We didn't like the loving father part, right? So we always felt, oh, once I sin, God is going to kill me. I mean, I've been there. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. So you realize that we thrive more on the fear of God, not on the love of God. And that's why we struggle because fear has got torment. It's going to mess you up. It's going to destroy you because if you're afraid of God all the time, you're afraid of him, afraid of him. Okay. Um, it's even in our prayers. And this is something that is a bit professional. Um, so we say that when I ask you, for example, I say, what do you want? And you say to me, I don't want to die. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to. Now, you are telling me what you don't want. We call that um, to, uh, away from motivation. But there is towards motivation. You have not told me anything you want. You have only told me the things you don't want. Now, the way life works, and please listen to this because this will help someone from today. The way life works is this. Your mind is so powerful. Your mind doesn't know the difference between right or wrong. Your mind doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is simulated. That's why sometimes you watch a movie, you know it's a movie, but you are, you are crying. Has it happened to you several times? You knew it was a movie now. You paid to get into the cinema, but you were crying because of a particular scene. Now, that's the way your mind works. It doesn't know the difference. Now, what happens is your mind can only pick the action word in every of the statements you make. And once the action word is picked, your mind sends a signal to the atmosphere, and the atmosphere orchestrates situations to make that your reality. That's why the day you say, God, today, I will not get angry. What happened that day? It was as if all hell now release the anger agent to, to mess up your life, right? So when you say, I don't want to get angry, what your mind hears is, get angry. So it sends a signal to the atmosphere, and the atmosphere makes your reality. So I, if I, you I say... I don't want to interrupt you. Wait, wait, let me finish, 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 and I'll take you to the scriptures. So when you say, I don't want my life to be miserable because I was raped, right? What your mind hears is be miserable. It sends a signal to the atmosphere. It becomes your reality. I don't want to meet guys who will cheat me. Cheat me is what your mind hears. Your mind sends that signal. I don't want to have a broken marriage. What your mind hears is broken marriage. I don't want my children to turn out bad. What your mind hears is turn out bad. Job says, what I fear the most has come upon me. So what we, and you see, as simple as this may sound, what we tell people to do is change your request. It's a natural love request. So instead of saying what you don't want, what you don't want, can you begin to talk about what you want? I want to be happy. I want to be great. I want to be good. I want to be lovely. And you deserve to enjoy all these things. Okay, I want to interrupt you now. <laughs> but, but, but think, and, I, and I think it's very important because I have seen people struggle with their history. And it's very important that we at least lay that baseline to say, look, there is actually healing possible. And you, you have countless testimonies of people who have uh, recovered, who have been healed. Yeah. And um, what happens to the person who in, in, in the past has not even necessarily been the victim? They've been the one who's um, inflicted pain. And so they've, they've been raised as, so they, so for example, they've raped somebody, they've abused somebody. What, how, how does that person move from such a, a negative, how do they deal with that kind of history? It's still the same process. Okay, maybe slightly different. You see, hurting people hurt other people. Nobody just wakes up to inflict. In fact, many of the 
sex addicts, many of the rapists, right, actually meant well. Now you will not believe that. You have, I've seen rapists who rape a girl and they tell the girl, you should be grateful that I was the one that they flowered you. Right? Now, but if you trace their past, you trace their life, you know, abuse is a cycle. It's like a relay race. Someone passes it to you, then you pass it to someone else. Right? So you have people who have been broken, people have been messed up, people have been traumatized. So you see an average person, you know, we need to be grateful to God that we live in Lagos. An average child, I worry for an average child that is being raised in Maiduguri, because what he's being raised to see is violence. So violence is his new normal. So when he doesn't see violence, he feels something is not right, so he creates violence. Right. And that's where, you know, the psychology of the rapist, the psychology of the wife beater, that's where, where, where it comes from. So a lot of people have been damaged, so they damage people. So you see this guy, is a Christian, is born again, and he says, oh, this girl, I want to help her, you know, and he genuinely wants to help her. But along the line, the vacuum in his life that had not been filled gives way. And the girl... You wanted to help, right? You begin, and I'll give you a personal example. So when I, in my teenage years, when I met a girl who was a virgin, I was always very excited to say, oh, you've kept yourself, okay. Uh, in fact, I used to say, okay, I'm going to help you, preserve you, and ensure that you don't lose this virginity, right? That was what I wanted to do, right? That was what I wanted to do. That was my calling, my ministry. But along the line, another ministry takes over. So when Paul begins to say in Romans chapter 7, that I see another member worrying in my body, that the things I don't want to do are the things I do. The things I want to do, I don't do them. That's what what he's talking about. That people have self-sabotaging pattern. In fact, the way I put it is this. For every experience you have gone through in life, a software has been installed in you. Now, that software needs a trigger. Once it finds a trigger, it automatically begins to run. That's why you can see someone reach off holy hands in church at the car park is already fighting over who drives out first. Because another software takes over, and that software, you can say the guy is not patient. No. A so- if you drill down, drill down, it's a software of deprivation. Something had been taken away from him in his childhood, so he has learned that people must not cheat me. Right? So that software just picks up and starts running because it was triggered. Someone wanted to drive out before him and he sees that as competition. Right? So it's the same way. You see, when a child has been messed up, right, it grows up to begin to mess up other people. Now, if you have found yourself in that situation, you can get help. And one of the first things you need to do is to find someone to confide in, not someone who is struggling like you, you know, because you can go and meet someone and say, ah, I don't know, you're also going through it. Ah, we are the same. Let us, let us be praying for ourselves. No, you need to look for someone who is free, right, who you can talk to. Um, what you need to be done, what needs to be done for you is accountability. You need, the person needs to hold you accountable. accountable. So every day, you are, uh, because every sexual urge, because you can't wish it away, you can't pray it away. I say to people, you cannot behave, you cannot pray yourself out of what you behaved yourself into. You behave, every behavior is learned. You behaved yourself into it, and you must behave yourself out of it, right? So you need to take personal responsibilities for that, except where God now decides to, because I've had, I've seen situations that sometimes I don't understand it, but that's God. Where a miracle happens, someone says, I took communion, and the urge to have sex just dies in me. Uh, I, mean, I, I say it dies. Well, I don't know what happens after, but I hear that and I believe. Okay, I believe whatever, whatever I hear in church, right? But most of the people I've worked with, you need to behave yourself. So you need to talk to a pastor, Idris, for example, and say, Pastor, 
every 48 hours, I report, I'll report my emotion to you because you need to be emotionally accountable. Once that is done, that process of being accountable is to reverse, you know, your body system, your body pattern to uninstall what has been installed, right? Um, and once that is done, you will revert back to your different... Because you were not born having sex. You were not born a rapist, okay? You were something you learned along the line or um, you were made into that by... And let me, the, the dynamics of this ways, it becomes very deeper is this, especially for people who are battling with same sex. If a one-year-old boy, so you've seen people said to you, this was the way I was born, right? Have you heard that? People be, say, I was born this way. If a one-year-old boy is kept with another male and the male begins to fondle his penis or performs blowjob on that boy, you know a one-year-old, he cannot remember, right? Now, he grows up and begins to have feelings towards same sex. Then you are telling him, oh, um, you know, this is demonic. The guy says, this, I've always been like this, right? Because he's been conditioned to be like that by the person who molested him, which he cannot even remember. Whether you remember or you don't, don't remember, it doesn't exempt you from the effects of what has been done to you. His seed has already been sown. So this guy begins to molest people, I mean, begins to gravitate towards same sex and everything, and we look at him and we say, no, he's demonic. Go for deliverance. And nobody's thinking that, hey, maybe while men slept, the enemy had planted tears, really, right? And help the person. And you see, at that level, it's love that actually helps those one kind of people. Love and accountability. So they need someone who believes in them, someone who they can come to and all the time and who will not condemn them. And um, that's the dynamics for these people. And please, when someone who sleeps around, for example, who messes other people up, who is an art breaker, now says to you, um, so let me give an example of masturbation. Who says, I masturbate every day, right? I masturbate every day. But now he now says to you, Pastor, since I've started confiding in you, I've started masturbating three times a week. Is that progress? But you know we don't celebrate that progress because we still see what he has done. Meanwhile, he has actually reduced from every day to three days. And the power to reduce to three days can actually reduce to one day till like time comes where, so it's a process, right? Yeah. And, and it's very important that you um, mention masturbation at this point, because I've heard your story before. Yeah. Uh, would you be as kind to share your story? <laughs> oh, yeah, why not? Um, so I started having sex at the age of four because my auntie would come to my room and says that it was a little secret and asked, us not, asked me not to tell my parents because they were going to die. That was what she told me. So I believed her and I didn't want my mother especially to die. So it became a little play. And um, from, for four years she did it and passed me to another person who was also older. So they kept passing me around, passing me around. Um, for, so all the people who were touching me were people older than me. Um, seven years, ten years older. So by the age of 12, I'd been properly groomed and I'd backed a PhD at what they were doing. Um, so I began to look around the neighborhood for people to do it too, right? I'd graduated from, from the school. So I, as a teenager, sex was an everyday thing. I mean, I, I literally was sleeping with everything I could see with older girls, you know, basically, because the people that abuse you usually will you gravitate towards them. Um, started masturbating, started doing porn. Our porn then was the other sexy guy, Naxin. If you are 35 and above, you will know Naxin. Okay? Um, you know. Okay, you know Naxin now. 
See there. The laughter was maybe a way to look. <laughs> but I don't know it. You don't know an accent? No, I don't. You didn't grow in Nigeria? I do not know it now. <laughs> that, that is sexy guy. That one, that one I know. Hey, it's Naxin. That's Naxin. I can't have forgotten it. All <laughs> <laughs> things are passed away. You know, so we started, I, I was doing Naxin, um, you know, practicing it everywhere. So I, of course, I was a pastor's son, you know, so I mean, choir was, there were great girls in choir, obviously. So it was a normal thing for us to sleep with ourselves, you know. Um, you know, service would be going on, you quickly go and do something, you know, and come back and sing and all those kind of things, right? So I got into university at the age of 16, and um, I joined Christian Union IFS. And um, of course, if you know Christian Union IFS, you know that they are very, you know. So I, I, I joined the choir. And um, they preached to me that if you give your life to Christ, everything was going to be all right, which I believed. Um, so, but I realized that the more, when I gave my life to Christ, I was still having sexual feeling, but there was nobody to talk to. Because as a, as a bad boy, you could talk about, at a bar, you could talk to your friend about it. But now as a Christian, you are doing things, who do you talk to? Because, of, of course, because I never saw anybody give a testimony of how God delivered him from sex problem. You know, people talk about how God promoted them, passed the exam. Nobody talked about how God, you know. So, I started pretending until 98. So, year 98, I was supposed to be brought in as a music director for this choir. And there were 82 babes in choir. So, I, for the first time, I knew I needed to take responsibility for my sex life. So, I, there was no book available. So, I started saying... Just, just one choir. Yes, my choir was quite large, 82 sisters. Um, right. Um, so what, I be- what were they singing in the choir? <laughs> uh, uh, it was a mass choir, you know. So I started fasting every day, and on the 18th day of the fast, September 18, I think, um, I had the Lord say to me, go and share a testimony. That was the word I had. And I was like, what's the testimony? I knew it was, immediately it wasn't an English word. And he said, it's a testimony of your sex life. So I don't have any testimony. He said, so go and tell them what you've been doing. So it was a meeting day like this. I came out and I started sharing my struggles, you know, with pornography, masturbation, sex. I would, there were days I would go and have sex and I would, lead, I would need to lead praise and worship the following day. And I'll be, I'll kneel down before the altar and I'll say, God, cast me not away. Don't disgrace me. Don't destroy me on the altar and all those kind of things. Right. So I shared my story and I noticed that a lot of people could relate with my story. Apparently, there were loads of people that I used to respect as holy brothers in my fellowship who, were even, who had bigger issues. Right, so from that moment, a lot of people started coming to my room at night to come and get help and counsel, you know, and, and that was how I started. But I stopped having sex, but I never saw smooching and kissing as part of sex. I thought sex was penetration. I didn't know until then that the most important sex you had was your mind, right? So I, as I grew, you know, older. In the faith, I could still play around the girl, you know, this time around, no penetration, um, we would kiss, smooch, and, and, but that part was actually an outlet that could lead me back to where I was coming from, right? So it took me a long time, a longer time, right, to break free from that, so I could still sneak back to masturbate, you know, uh, but... Eventually, when I began to change the meanings attached to things, when I began to learn deeper things about how you could change meanings, how sex, what sex, in fact, the standard of Jesus about sex is actually the fact that when you look at a woman lustfully, you have done it. And the fact that if you can keep to that standard, right, you will um, get help. Then also I learned to be accountable. I mean, Pastor Godman was my pastor in Desta, so 
It was my accountability partner. I could talk to him about anything, anything. When I feel the heat, I say, PG, you know, I, I'm feeling I'm on red light now, right? And he knows that he would need to call me and everything, you know. So I created an association where we could ask ourselves clear questions as believers, you know. So we're asking, how is your spiritual life? How is your sex life? That's what we're asking, you know. And God actually helped me along the line. And now I help loads of people, you know. Um, you know, so that, that's my... That's just a summary of my story. That's a beautiful, very beautiful testimony. We thank God. But it was, it was kind of fast. So it was kind of fast. It was almost like, so because there's somebody here. There's Femi here. <laughs> Our cousin Femi. <clears throat> who right now is where you were um, a couple of years ago in the university. And is, is struggling. What is the path to heal. Because, you know, you said it very quickly and just looked like, after you just, you know, shared with the whole fellowship, of course, I'm sure they were just very stunned and happy. Uh, you know, you just walked out free, man. Everything just changed. And just, you know. No. So, so <laughs> what, so what, <laughs> because someone is here and saying, look, I, I've seen that you've made this transition from here to here. How, how do I make that same transition? Okay, number one, you cannot remain Femi and get help. Femi, the word has got to become flesh. We need to be able to put a face to Femi um, to say, I have a problem. I stepped out. Jesus was crucified, you know, outside the gates. It was not a secret society, a secret affair. It was, you, you need to take responsibility. That's what I'm saying. That this is me. This is where I am. I need this help. Right? Then, um, part of the things I did, after I came out, was the fact that I had to try, I mean, I remember going to burn my tapes. The one that pained me the most was when I was going to set fire on my Boys to Men collection. There was one of their songs, I'll Make Love to You, that I, uh, I was literally crying. You would have thought someone died, you know. <laughs> but I had to do it, you know, because, um, you know, sex, you have what we call sex diet. You see, the way it works is this. Um, what you feed on, you know, determine your health, health eventually, right? So the same way the Bible says, as new one baby, you desire the sincere milk of the world that you may grow thereby. If you desire the sincere milk of pornography, you will grow thereby. That's, that's the truth. So there were things I was feeding on. Um, I, I had to literally trash them, right? I had to begin to pick books. Now, you don't drop pornography and not find a replacement. You got to find a coping, something that is also... Of, so... I found motivational books. Um, that was when I got close to Dr. Miles. I mean, his collections really, really helped me. You know, because I'm someone who's um, a bit cerebral. You know, I love to think. I'm a thinker. So I, people always say to me, and that's one of the problem, biggest problems I have around here. That Paris is a thinker. I think out of the box, and I'm like, why can't this be done? Right? So I could identify with Dr. Miles immediately. Right? But I also built... A system, let me tell you, there is no strong man anywhere. You only need to, you only have rightly positioned men. Someone, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. With everything I know today, there are babes I still can't, you know, position myself around them. There are babes, right? Especially, so one of the things I see people do is this. You used to be a sex addict, you go born again, then you want to go and witness to your girl that you were sleeping with before. Excuse me, she will witness to you because she knows that we are around your body. Your body will naturally respond. Right, so I would rather refer you, right? In fact, I, one happened actually um, where the girl told, I got born again, and she said to me, said, um, and in fact, she came to join the choir, 
came to my fellowship and got born again and says, then went to report me to one spiritual sister that uh, prays that we used to be unbelievers together, but me, I was growing spiritually, I'd left her. So that one told me to go and follow her up. We started kissing in the lecture theater. We had started doing stuff. You know, before I knew that, knew, no, I need to flee. You don't negotiate with sex, you run. Okay, especially when you have not grown to that level. So, for example, you are seeing someone right now. Um, no matter, I, I will always recommend that. Don't have closed-door meetings, right? No matter how, how powerful you are as a sex addict, you can't pounce on a girl in this church now, can you? We'll first beat you in the Holy Ghost, physically. <laughs> you can't do it, right? Even no matter, inside Mr. Biggs, you can't do it. Right? Because sex needs an environment. And that environment is called questionable privacy. Right? Once you don't have questionable privacy, you can't, no matter how much I'm burning inside this, on this altar now, no show. Right? For show to happen, I need to lure someone into a closed door um, place, you know. So, you need to understand um, what turns you on. Very important. Right? Uh, because all of us have it. You need to know what turns you on. Right, so if you're, if it's a romantic movie, you need to bust it for now. Okay, a time will come, you will grow the capacity to be able to see it and see it. For example, um, there are movies I can't see, right, because I just know how I feel once I see them. So I would rather avoid them and respect myself, then I'll communicate my position clearly to you. Um, I love to define relationships co consistently because when undefined proximity will lead to immorality. Right? So a lot of people don't define their proximity. You don't say, okay, we are doing brothers and sisters. You are going to places together. You are going to cook in his house. You are going to, then like, gradually begin to pass the night. One day, anointing will move <laughs> in the middle of the night. You know, so it, it, it's so important. But please, like I said, the first thing you need is you cannot be anonymous and get help. Um, for there are things you can do on your own. For sexual problems, you will need a lot of help. I, right? and, I, and I was going to, I was going to, my, my next question, because I've got a couple of questions here. Yeah. It's, Interesting that all the questions I have so far all end up with the word, okay, well, two of the three end up with the word help. Um, one says, I'm a sex addict and I can't seem to help myself. I have slept with over 150 people. Um, I, <laughs> I, I still, you know, and, and I, had to, I says, I am getting married before the end of the year. I, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to put that in context because then I have a question from... I think it's, uh, it says... Because I was just going to say I will adopt him as my brother, whoever that is. Mm. So, so it says, so I, I've had sexual relations with a, with, dozen, with a dozen guys, but all in my head. It's a compensation mechanism I formed as a preteen, but now it's my biggest bad habit. I don't know how to stop. Help. And, and I was going to ask about this whole, because you've used the word loosely here, addict and addiction. Yeah. And um, I, 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 I know that it's, it's, it's a, and, and, and you've spoken about masturbation, and I'd like you to come back to masturbation because um, it's one of the, it's, it's, so it's, it's almost the deal a lot of people make with God. Yeah. I will not sleep with anybody before I get married. But this masturbation, at least it's private, it's not with anybody, there's no pregnancy, STD, and we're not even sure in our minds whether it's a sin or not. So we're going to deal with that. But addiction, at, at what stage do people become what you call addicts, and how do they, what's, okay. what's the what's Sex the addiction has got a definition, is an uncontrollable, note the words, sex addiction is an uncontrollable compulsive appetite for a sexual activity that keeps reoccurring. It's uncontrollable, it's compulsive. So even when you say, I won't do it today, you will do it. 
right? That's when it becomes an addiction, right? That, um, and, and you see people, they say, your mother just had an accident. You say, let me finish this girl, right? That's, that's a sex addict. You, you lose feelings, right? So you say to yourself, I don't want to do this anymore. God, if I do it, kill, it, kill me, right? I, I did that. Um, God, kill me. 48 hours, I was back having sex. Um, I ran for, to one prayer city to go and do deliverance many years ago. From deliverance out, I ran straight to the brutal to pick a prostitute. Right. So that, that's the level of addiction where um, nothing else. You have cost yourself. God, kill me. Kill me. I will go to the chapel. I'll remove all my clothes and say, God, par- paralyze this penis. Let it not work again. I mean, destroy it. You know, so that I don't disgrace you. <laughs> Thank God God didn't, he didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> you know, I, I did all sorts, you know, because I was just crying for help. But I discovered that, you see, God would have you take responsibility for your sex life. You got to do it. Nobody can do it for you. Okay. Um, you know, so when it gets to the point where you begin to struggle, initially, some people have control. So you say, masturbation, let me masturbate today. I will not do it again till next year. And you don't do it again till next year. That's not addiction. When you say, I will not do it tomorrow, and you find yourself doing it, I will not do pornography again, and you find yourself doing it, right? That's when it becomes an addiction. It becomes compulsive, and it becomes uncontrollable. Hi. Okay. And, and so, so what's, the, what's the path? Because what I'm looking for in all of this is that we're able to, as we have this discussion, we're able to say this is the path that we see to recovery and to healing. Okay. You, you know the path to recovery is not casting stone. Mm. That's why I, my profession, I don't, the most important part of my profession is accurate diagnosis. I won't prefer solution unless I accurately diagnose what the problem is because different people have different triggers. Different people have their, uh, their different sexual history. So if I don't know your history, I don't know, you know what you're dealing with, I might not be able to say this and this and this. Uh, because, and that's where, so if I say to you, read your Bible, you know that already. You've done it. Has it worked? If I say to you, oh yeah, pray, fast, you know, 10 steps to, right? 10 steps might not work for you. It might just be one step. In fact, I worked with a, a um, gay, the first gay I worked with. Every therapy I run did not work. And it, that was shocking. But guess what worked? Love. I dumped all my therapy and began to love this guy. I would follow him to places. He would teach me things, take me around Lagos, show me the hangout of gay, you know, showed me all kinds of sights. Then one day he said to me, that he was wondering how con- can the guy believe so much in him and not condemn him, right? So he just made up his mind. Now, he got to a place. That place is called threshold. Until people get to threshold, sometimes they may not change. In fact, for some people, it's scandal that will stop their uh, madness, right? But you don't want to get to the level of a scandal. Uh, you know, for some people, I have seen people are battling with HIV who are still sexually reckless now, still sleeping around uh, after HIV, right? So, and that's where you know that people really need help, right? Um, so I need to be able to sit to be able to diagnose accurately to say what exactly is the problem. For some people, for example, you just take pornography away from them, they are fine. For some people, they just need to, every sexual or needs an outlet. The outlets come either by talking about it, so if you feel like having sex now, and you call Pastor Eddie, say, Pastor Eddie, I feel like having sex now. The urge drops. The urge drops, right? It drops, try it, it works, right? Or you can divert the urge. Diverting the urge means you feel like having sex, can you dance for like five minutes to something fast? That makes you sweat. Diversion of the urge, it drops, right? But the other one which comes naturally is for us to do it, which is the, the thing, you know, people just do it and they confess things later, okay? Um, 
So it's, it's, I don't know what exactly you are dealing with. Um, so part of what I'm going to do, for example, I'll do a generalized um, therapy on everyone here, right? Um, which I think should help you to an extent. But I need to be able to sit with you and find out, okay, so exactly what are you dealing with? What, what, because I need to know your histories. So for example, someone who started having sex at the age of four, my approach to helping you is only going to be different from, you know, someone who just started last year. And sometimes... Because I say to people there are two types of STIs, for example. You have sexually transmitted infection, but you also have spiritually transmitted infection. One of the things that can be transmitted through sex is sex addiction. So I met this lady who, until 24, she was a virgin, then slept with a guy who had a reputation for being a sex addict at 24. But between 24 and 26, she slept with 49 men. She told me, she said, praise, I just totally lost control the moment I slept with that guy. Because your semen contains white blood cell. The Bible says the love of a flesh is in the blood. So sex is actually, sexual intercourse is actually a covenant of life, love and pleasure between the man and the woman, which should happen in the marriage environment for the purpose of unity, procreation, and expression of marital love. Let me break that down say a little it, bit. Say it slowly. It's like that. <laughs> okay, so I said it's a covenant exchange of life, love, and pleasure between the man and the woman in the marriage environment. For the purpose of unity, procreation, and expression of marital love. That's what it should be ideally. Now, so what did, that means did you, is... Did you memorize this then? Of course, I've taught this for <laughs> 17 years of my life. So, see people are taking notes. Uh, when I'm preaching on faith, you don't right. take notes like this. So, so it, it's, um, it's um, um, a covenant exchange. What that means is when you sleep with someone, a man as a male, you have white... Um, you have your semen. Semen contains white blood cell. The Bible says love of flesh and the blood. So what you are actually outputting is your life into that lady. And you pick up what she's got, right? That's why you see some ladies, the guy has slept with them and they say, I can't leave the guy. The guy is beating me, I can't leave him. Say, Pastor, just help me pray so that that bad habit can, can... Of course, what has happened is there's a connection, there's a tie. Of course, these things... And that's why sometimes when I speak in church, I wear two caps. Now, if I speak outside there, I won't talk about this because um, science won't understand what I'm saying, right? So, you have... Um, um, and science would say sexual trans transmitted infection. So if you have syphilis and the lady has gonorrhea, you can still exchange and have double honors afterwards. Okay. But spiritual transmitted infection means if it's got curses and it's got, you know, it's got, um, you know, some partial madness or something, that can be transmitted as well. And I've seen that firsthand in my practice. I've seen it. Okay. So it, it, you exchange. Okay, I'm going to stop you. So that, that discussion next week when, when we deal with. Um, uh, myths about sex. We're yeah. going to have that discussion. Pastor yeah. Gomez going to be because uh, it's a very important discussion. We're going to have that discussion. Just wanted somebody to know. Cause I know people have questions, okay. so we're going to have that discussion. But yeah. Please, please yeah. So, so it's a covenant exchange. So you exchange what? So imagine a guy, or you know, Jesus was talking about um, the fact he was talking to a woman and he said, "You've been married seven times, right?" Because the Jewish community recognized sex as actual marriage, right? So. If you have slept with 17 guys, you've been married 17 times but divorced 16 times because sexual intercourse with someone else means you have broken a covenant to go and establish another covenant. That's what it means, right? So you may not have rings on your hand, but you've got rings, okay? So there is what we call multi-personality split. Now, multi-personality split, if you ask psychologists and you ask therapists, they'll tell you that there is no scientific basis to say this is the cause. But what they have been able to narrow it down is multiple sex partners. That when you have multiple sex partners, you have your life shared in different direction. You know, so, um, so this person who is happy, 
the day decides to get excited in you, you manifest that the person who is um, um, moody. So you see, ladies, some ladies say to you, I'm happy this minute, I'm moody the next minute, I'm depressed the next minute. Right? And you're wondering, where is this coming from? And you say, I, can't, I don't even understand it. Right? If you ask the question, do you have multiple sex partners, you always find that. And I've seen that consistently. You know, so there are so many things involved, so many dynamics. But I'm, I'm going I'm to say something yes, here. And because, I'm, because there's a scientific part of me. Yeah. And where they tell you that there's a slight difference between correlation and causality. Yeah. All right? and, and I say that because um, and I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a pastor. I say that because I recognize that there are people here who are trying to, um, and I just want to put some balance, who are trying to deal with the mess that their sexual experiences and history is in. Yeah. And I can understand how when priest says this, how your mind just goes, oh my goodness, my life is destroyed. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I wanted to deal with that just to say, because this morning, you know, God began to, you know, just tell me how when he created our bodies, he created our bodies with the ability to heal. Yes. And, and that's very instructive yes. that, you know, skin grows back. God created a restorative ability. And I say this because there are people here, and I know this. I don't even need word of knowledge. I know this because it's a fact. Who are in the place where they are torn. And I, I want to be able to balance that. I know that there's a way when, when we mention that. Their hearts are just like, oh my God, 59, No, 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 no. Pastor, Pastor Idris, uh, yes. that's where we need to teach new creation reality well. Mm. If a man be in Christ, it's a brand new product that never existed before, mm. right? So when you say, why people still have challenges is because new, cre new creation reality is not well thought, right? Because when you teach new creation reality properly, right? Um, so if you read the book, entire book of Romans, Paul was talking about the fact that, um, so he was talking about the new birth to say, when you he died, you died in him. When he rose, you rose in him, right? Now he says that in every name, you're still in him, right? So the, we, we say it, Right? But the, the way I, I think scriptures, right? So when I think scriptures, I draw models to say, and because as a therapist, I, when I draw the model, it, it helps my practice properly because I'm able to see, I see therapy in the Bible and I jump. And I'm like, wow, this is what this guy was teaching us in class, right? So when you understand being born again, as a matter of fact, listen to this, when you're born again, right? You're actually a virgin who never existed before. Now, the guy who may marry you may have problems. So, you see, people still say, um, I'm, I'm no longer a virgin. I lost my virginity. You know, what life were you talking about? The one that is dead or the new life, right? But it's a bit technical, so we can't even get into that. But I, so don't, don't get worked up to say, hey, I've slept with um, 99 or whatever. No, you don't have to get worked about. Except where you now begin to feel that, hey, there's a problem here. I'm, I'm seeing symptoms of multi-personality split that we can sit down with you, you know, and begin to deal with that because um, basic beliefs change therapy will resolve that kind of an issue. So it's, it's not, um, you know. So um, for the purpose of unity, sex unites you with the person you're sleeping with. Um, so you need to understand what you're getting into. And please, let me say this, a touch on masturbation a little bit. You, you, just actually, you actually took that question out of my mind. Because I was going to yeah. say, can we deal with masturbation? And I've got a couple of questions here about masturbation. And so it's the context. So, look, praise, is masturbation bad? In fact, bad is even put in a moral shade. Is it... A sin. A, a sin. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but hey. I don't... <laughs> is it a sin? In fact, hang on. I, I prefer, 
but before we get there, what is the issue with masturbation? Why is it such an issue? So, because I, I realize that when we, when we dive into this scene or no scene thing, you know, we typically are looking for stuff to beat people over yes. the head. The, the thing is, because there are, there are a couple of people, our cousin Femi, who is, is not here. <laughs> There's us, so right? not here again. <laughs> okay. There's us who is, and I've, and I've, because from personal experience, I shared this last week, um, anybody who's been addicted to masturbation before or who masturbates regularly will tell you that it, um, especially when you are sensitive to God or you're trying yeah. to build faith, will tell you that there is a crippling effect on your mind, on self-esteem. There's a sense of guilt. There's a way it takes away from your confidence in who you are, who God okay. has made you. I need to... So, so, so I want us to dimension this properly. In fact, so if I think about it, the whole scene thing or not, we'll come to that, but is what is the issue with masturbation? Okay, now... Um um, I, I try not to be not to go to an extreme because I wear two caps now. I wear the cap of a believer and I wear the cap of a professional. Um, so I so if we have this man whose wife is studying abroad, right? His wife is studying abroad in a school, and this it is a classical case. And he's um, married. They didn't give him visa because that even happened to me. My wife was I was in the UK for two years. They refused to give me visa. Then she finished the program. They gave me visa. <laughs> so. Two years, you can't see your wife, you can't have sex. And there are babes all around you. Now, I, I, I need us to be very practical. You get what I'm saying? Right. Because I'm not going to put burdens on people. Then this man begins to burn. So, and he says to you, praise, I feel like burning. And I don't want to sleep with the babes around me. Should I... I I masturbated yesterday and I'm feeling bad. What do I say to him? Now, as a pastor or as a therapist, with my training, I can't tell him, God has left you. Because I am not in his shoes. Right? Two, I am not his God at that level. Um, where I fear God the most uh, the fa is the fact that the way God relates with people is totally different from the way we think it is. Our human mind is so limited. So you can look at someone and you wonder, hey, God, you should have killed this person. And God has not killed him. God may not even talk about it. He doesn't even see what you're talking about. Right. So that man that I just, whose case I just created right now, what am I going to say to that person? Now, he has babes all around him. Um, all of them are showing up. Would, he, would I say, and he has prayed. He has studied. In fact, I went to the cyber cafe one year like that. I saw a guy. Browsing pornography. In front of him was good morning, Holy Spirit. Now, so, as I, I try to, you know, Bible says, we do not have a high priest who is not touched by the feeling of our infirmities. I try to put myself in people's position. And not because I have a grip on masturbation, but there are people who are at different levels. But let me tell you some of the things you need to know about masturbation before you start it. Masturbation is actually one of the most addictive sexual behaviors that exist. Number two, one of the advanced effects of masturbation that's been proven because the friction of your hand hitting, working on your, your penis, right, can affect some of the tissues in there, right, because I, I took up a professional on this, um, you know, a physiologist, 
right? And, and with God talking about, you know, those people that are, whose work is the human body, physiologists, right? Um, now, because I started seeing effects of masturbation as um, impotence, as weak erection, and I became worried. So I had to go and ask, and he said, yeah, that be- and he, there was a way he was explaining it, that it affects the, um, you know, the tissue around the penile area, and it makes them weak. Now, and I have loads of clients, and I can tell you this for free. Seven out of my ten clients, average that I see, has a problem with weak erection, and all of them have a history of masturbation, right? And that's not to scare you. I'm just telling you what I see in my office regularly. Now, having said that, masturbation also requires you to work on your mind. Now, so when Jesus says that he that looks at a woman lustfully, so if we, look, if we benchmark that standard, has already done it, right? So adultery or fornication is not when the penis enters the vagina. It's when your mental penis enters a mental vagina or spiritual penis or something, right? That's what the biblical, and if we have to base it on that, we can say masturbation will mess up your mind. Trust me, it messes up people's mind. Um, however, I have seen people who tell me, praise all these things you are talking about is not my experience. I've been married. I've, I masturbated. Da, 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 da. In fact, I have this Christian guy whose wife, every time the wife took in, she would refuse to have sex with the husband. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to extend this discussion. And the reason is this, because oh God asked me, oh God's my wife, and she asked me uh, last week about masturbation. And I said, first base is the fact that, and um, anybody who you, can, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody who's masturbated before here will tell you that it is hard to do it without your mind. Some people can do it funny enough. Uh, they say it's not possible. I say it is hard. Hard, yes. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> and, and I think, that, so, so when we begin to discuss whether it is even something that you should practice or not, that is one of the, so it's a boundary. It's something that clearly, it is that without, without the mind, it's almost, it, it's, it's almost impossible. And, and the reason I say this is because, um, you know, we said something earlier about the mind being our most powerful sex organ, yes. sex organ. And I said it last week to us as a church. Is that that is one of the places where you become captivated by masturbation. And remember something you said, that masturbation is highly addictive. Yes. Now, now something you said, which because this is important, because quite a number of us here are not married, is that the guy who, whose wife... Goes away for two years, yeah. no visa. Of course, guys, don't let your wife when you get married go anywhere that you don't have a visa to. <laughs> now I'm serious. I'm not joking here because my point is, why will your wife be going off for two? My wife ain't going nowhere for two years. My wife oh, went wish, for two years. Uh, and it, it praise, was hell. Praise you, are a strong man. <laughs> my wife ain't going nowhere for two years if I don't have that visa. Similar, they must have stamped it on the same day, or at least before she get because no, because you know <laughs> either that or she will come back. The course doesn't take you to heaven, Abby. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she will come back. She will leave the course. And I say this because, I say this because, hang on, hang on. I say this because, so let's even assume that worst case scenario has not happened. That two-year period that we're asking this guy to now essentially behave like he doesn't, he, that he can't have sex. Like as if it's not because, because that same, because someone is going to take that logic and say, if we can excuse masturbation for that guy, then we can excuse masturbation for people who are not married yet. And, and, and so for me, I say to people, I take a very hard, this is me, 
I take a hard stance on masturbation. And the reason I do is because I told you guys last week, I said my first year of university, it nearly destroyed my life. And so I'm not speaking as somebody who has never been there. I've been there. And I'm just saying, if there's anybody who's struggling with it, you know, you, you, need, to, um, you need to take a hard stance because it's, it's I mean, I've, and I've had discussions with people before. I, it's especially if you are Christian. And, and, that, and I think that's also useful. It, it really leaves your conscience. It leaves you in a place where um, you, you are, it is difficult for you to believe that God loves you. It is difficult for you to even see yourself as acting out of righteousness. So, so, uh, Pastor, Pastor yeah. Idris, what I'll say is this. Um, because one thing I know that has not worked is threats. So when we threaten people or when we say to them what is not their experience, it's not going to help them. Um, and I, because I, I sit as someone, I mean, as someone who sits with people regularly, um, you know, that we say to them, take a hard stance, doesn't stop the fact that someone may go and masturbate tonight, right? But I would rather take the part of where will this lead you to? Mm-hmm. Now, if masturbation is a dress rehearsal for a future of impotence, would you continue that training practice? Answer, guys. <laughs> no. So in therapy, I'm just teasing, okay. in therapy, I have a, a work on online um, on masturbation, actually. I mean, because at the average request I get from people is praise, masturbation, masturbation. So I'm sitting with people. So I put a work online that it has therapy. You know, what I do is aversion therapy. I make what is pleasurable distasteful to you by saying, so can you look into the future and um, you can see impotence ahead of you and you can trace this impotence to masturbation? What would you do? Okay, the moment your mind can recognize that future, recognize the pain associated with the effect of... And for ladies, it could lead to frigidity, actually. Right? Um, uh, recognize... Uncle I. It can lead to who? Frigidity for women. We know what that means. Not all of us understand that. No, no they don't. Uh, Pastor, I just want you to Praise You don't know frigidity. I told you. Good church. Well done. <laughs> Explain. You guys are lying to yourself. Explain. <laughs> Where is Shibomi? <laughs> Shosho. She's hiding that. Where is Shosho? She's not going to come, I assure you. Praise. No, no. What is Shosho frigidity? is my partner in this thing. <laughs> Your people are saying they don't know frigidity. <laughs> Just in, in okay, frigidity I... means that you don't feel sexually. As a matter of fact, your spouse may begin to re, may begin to repel you, right? That um, you don't. You are like a log of wood when it comes to love making with your spouse. Um, that the only thing that gives satisfaction is masturbation. In fact, I have couples who the man never gets satisfied with penetration. He will still need to go and masturbate before he can feel satisfied, and that's one of the downsides of um, masturbation. You see, one of the things I hate, why I couldn't even stay so long on masturbation is the fact that it's punishment. Very, it's punishment. You punish yourself, you watch pornography, then you masturbate yourself, you know, and it's selfish as well, right? What you can enjoy with someone else, why you do it to yourself? Um, then also because I hate for anything to master me. As in, I have a personal pride. As in that someone is my, is my master. I'll now bow down to you all the time. You know, that's for me, right? 
So, um, when you look at the downside um, and what it can do to you, you know, I would rather say avoid it. But I will not say avoid masturbation without giving you other options, right? Because that you won't burn, that you are not born in is, especially with the, all the things you are surrounded with, you are surrounded with sex every day. It wasn't like when I was younger, right? These days, you don't need to travel far before. Is it that you meet someone, as in... That's why your definition of most of the things you see has got to be very powerful. The power of meaning. Breast used to torment me. Used to torment me a lot as a young person. But I changed the meaning. I gave it a new definition. Because every time I would go to, I, would, I was confessing sins every day. I see her breast. I say, ah, see her, Bobby. You know, see this one. Next minute, I say, God, forgive me, forgive me. I'm forgetting that I'm born again. Next one, I'm seeing another one. So I had to sit down one day and I went online and I said, so what's the physiological composition of the female breast. So I saw milk lobu, which is a milk producing glands online. I saw the milk duct and it says that's the part of the breast that transfers the milk from the lobu to the nipple. And I saw connective and fatty tissues. Then I saw that not all ladies are sexually stimulated when you touch their breast. That some irritates them. So what did I do? I just changed the meaning and I said to myself, okay, praise. The female breast is the milk manufacturing factory of the woman with a specialized consumer. The consumer is an infant. So I said to myself, you're a big boy, big boy, so suck breast. Now, that worked for me. It worked for me. I just changed the meaning. So every time I saw breast, I gave it that definition, and it changed the meaning. It changed the meaning. It changed the meaning. I said, you're a big boy, big I was doing that confession. You're a big boy, big boy, so suck breast. <laughs> right? And it helped me. At least he, he helped I'm not, me. I'm not even going to memorize that. <laughs> it, helped, it helped me nah. till I got married. Okay? Um, so, you see, all things are lawful, not all things are expedient. Um, you don't, whosoever you yield your body to, to that person, it becomes your master. Um, you don't want, I, I have clients who are CEOs now, before board meetings, they will need to go and masturbate. They will need to go and masturbate. During board meetings, they will need to excuse themselves. To go at that level, it's become addictive. It's going to, where it begins to obstruct the things you do, it begins to obstruct your sanity. You don't want to get to that level. And trust me, if you don't start, you can't get to that level. So, so Praise, I'm going to ask you in a couple of minutes to... Because, so, so, because what I'm looking for is that tonight, by God's help, we're able to say this is the path. And, and I, I hear you. So a general path to the big thing. And I hear big words from you. I hear accountability. I hear there's a word I used last week, which is actually a real word. It's called desexualization, yep. which means to reduce the sexual influence tension, yeah. um, activity, and so So it means that there are songs you would not... So I, I hear... So I want us to put that together and begin to help, you know, direct people. I want to ask about two things. And you guys see how that once we start talking about sex, the prayer team have just started worshipping and praying for us. Uh, but but, but um, same-sex relationship. Yeah. Um, some guy, there's a question here about... When you start, someone says, I'm, I'm beginning to have these attractions. Yeah. Or someone is already experimented, or someone is actually um, either struggling or in the middle of it and with no view, as it were. Can we discuss that quickly and then go okay, on? Okay, for same sex, um, you know, I touched on it a little bit. Um, I have never met any gay person that has a good relationship with his father. Not one. All the gay guys I've worked with, they have a broken relationship with their father. So I'm back to my science thing. Yeah. It's correlation. And I'm saying that it's a fantastic point, you know, correlation and causality. It's a fantastic point to bring out. And, I, and I, I do believe, I mean, if we, 
if we look at that in depth, I suspect there is, there is stuff to pull out of it. I'm just saying, because so that nobody will blame it on their fathers. No, 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 no. That's not even where I'm going. I've not landed. The first male figure in your life is your father. Your father can give you an identity and it can mess up your identity. So you see some boys, we had them in our school. You say he behaves like a woman. You know some of those guys like that, the way they walk, the way they talk. If there was a proper father figure who has understanding, is the one who should give that guy's identity back. Because it's so obvious the way the guy works, the way he talks, the way we had one in my school, much higher, right? In fact, later I realized that seniors Femi, raped Femi. Um, we don't call names. Well, Femi. the seniors raped him, you know, eventually. Right, and it was very traumatic for me because I saw him many years later. Right, that we need to get to that point where, for those of us who are battling with this, to say where did this come from? Um, and I'll tell you, like I mentioned earlier, whether every sexual um, attraction towards same sex, if it was a male uncle that molested you you can begin to have feelings for it. In fact, one of the ways people, that's why I fear for the younger generation right now, because in almost all the secondary schools I've been to lately, I've seen a concept called for karama, which has replaced school father, school son. For karama is, you know, many of us who got into masturbation, that's why when I was saying people can masturbate without pictures in their mind, many of us who got into masturbation, it was from bunny house. A senior would tell you, come and masturbate me. Then when you became a senior, you got a junior to masturbate you. And that's, so the, no pictures was needed. In your now, boarding house? Yes. Abby, are there people who experienced that? Someone is, <laughs> someone is raising his hand at the back. That's right? a yes. Now, okay. for Karama has replaced that right now in our secondary schools. And for Karama is your school father now sodomizes you. It's a form of pederasty. Right? Now. Yes. Hold, ped, on, hold ped, on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> slow, slow again. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Even Forget the one you said before, professional so, sodom, sodomy, you know, sodomy, sodomize. sodomy is penetrating someone from the anus, right? Um, so pederasty is when um, an adult begins to molest a younger person. It used to be a concept in the ancient Greece, right? And so that's what they have imported as for karma right now. So we are going to have an entire generation of young men who are going to graduate from secondary school with same-sex tendency. Now. The way your body works is this, and this is psychology of the body. I would have loved to draw it, but it's called neuroassociative conditioning. That when your body experiences something that is pleasurable. So if a male figure penetrated your anus, um, because the anus actually has some nerve endings. Um, that's why if you see some people, they put their finger inside their anus, you know, they can actually get somehow stimulated. Now, once you experience that sensation, your brain begins to look for the source of that pleasure. Once it can attach it to your anus or something, your brain demands for a repeat performance of that experience. Now, the first time you did it, a neural line is formed from your brain to the source of the pleasure. So when it demands for a repeat performance and you do it again, another neural line is formed. The more you do it, the more neural lines are formed. You get to a level where you are on autopilot without thinking. You just find yourself doing it. By praying, God, if I do it, kill me, you find yourself doing it. That's how addictive behaviors are formed. Now, so if you are like that here and you realize that you have same-sex attraction, please, you need to get help. And that's where the skill of the person working with. So one, boy, one guy walked into my office and 
from the way he walked in, from the way he was talking, he was actually talking like he had a feminine voice, right? And he said to me, he said, praise. In fact, I was already living with HIV. He said, praise. As I was coming here, men were asking me how to. He said, they say I'm a lady. And I said, I don't see any lady in you. Of course, I could see it. But you can choose to see what you want to see, right? So I, cho- I changed the meaning immediately. And I said, no, 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 you are a male. Talk like a male, walk like a male. He said, really? And I got into his childhood and I realized that he was from school. They say he behaved like a woman, he behaved like a woman, and they began to pick him up, right? So your story will be so important. That's why you need to own up as fast as you can. Unfortunately, you have a, our world is becoming an homosexualized world where that minority has become a majority in some majority when it comes to influence in certain countries, right? What you need to do that will help you as a matter of urgency is see a pastor Idris or someone who can walk with you daily, right? Who you can talk to every time you feel like um, having interaction with same sex. And trust me, the gay community in Nigeria is understated. If you, as we sit here, I know a place in Lagos. If you go there right now, you will pick a male prostitute by the roadside. Life. So it's on that. We, we don't talk about it, but the gay community is massive in Nigeria right now. Uh, they show up in my office. So please, you need to get help. You were not born that way. Something had happened to your sexuality at a certain age in your life. Whether you can remember or you can't remember, it doesn't stop, stop from the effects you are feeling right now. But you can get help as a matter of urgency. You just need a male figure, someone you can call a father, someone who can intentionally get you back into your identity, um, then maybe we might need to surround you with a, a lot of female friends as well. Um, that, might, that might help. Um, I mean, those are the simple, simple things that I think I can advise you to do. But please, you need to hone up. Um, once you see Pastor Idris, he might need to send you to my office. Then the rest I can take up from, from there. And trust me, if you are like that, I'll personally, therapy is a bit expensive in my office. I'll do yours for free. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I mean that. Thank you very, very much. Um, pornography. <laughs> Let's just, since we are here already. Pornography. Okay, not okay. It's not okay now. Pornography is, um, pornography is also punishing yourself. Pornography comes with masturbation eventually. All right. Unfortunately, pornography, I'm scared, really, for the first time because there are lots of Nigerian pornography right now. Nigerian porn sites, the rate of really are growing right now is scary. And I'm like, so we have gotten to this level where Nigerians actually having sex and they, are, they have, as in it's, it's, it's scary. Now, pornography, people get addicted to pornography sometimes out of curiosity. I'll tell you something that happened to me. So I had to, at some point along my training, I had to do a study on pornography. Um, so I had to go to all kinds of pornography websites from Bestel, sites to all kinds of so I, I saw all sorts when I concluded my research every time those days every time I there were cyber cafes we didn't have our access I'll go to cyber cafe I'd concluded this research a voice would tell me why don't you check another one maybe you will find something again and I would and that was how I started clicking pornography every day until I had to cry then I was not married I had to cry out to the person I was to say you know what every time I go to cyber cafe please ask me if I watch pornography, right, accountability saved me. 
right? Pornography is a no-no. Trust me. In fact, not people say to me, Christian couples say, can I watch pornography to learn about sex? Pornography never teaches you sex. The goal of pornography is to sex pornography. Pornography distorts your mind and it breeds comparison. Remember, it's acting. Many of the guys are stuts. They're on drugs. So you see pornography, you see someone is, sorry, I wanted to use the word now, is sleeping with a girl. <laughs> I've forgotten I'm in church. In church on the <laughs> you, know, uh, <laughs> you know, sleeping with a girl for one hour, right? And so what happens, and you're seeing the girl, she's shouting, she's screaming, and you see the, de- the downside to pornography, they used pornography to push oral sex. Before now, oral sex was not a problem in most marriages. Now it's a big problem. In fact, it's a major problem. One of the criteria that guys are listing for ladies now is ability to perform blowjob. Right? It's a major issue right now. Now, so, what it brings not, comparison... Not, not life point, guys. Not life point, guys. Okay, these ones are different. They are, Just so you I mean, can breathe, they guys. Are come on, come on. They are not Nigerians. Now, what happens eventually is, so you begin to have sex. A lot of men have sex with their wives, but in their mental, in their mind, right, they are actually sleeping with the girl they saw in pornography. So if your wife is not shouting and screaming the way that woman screams, you will not feel sexually satisfied. And that's how pornography can mess up your marriage, destroy your sex life. Thank you, thank you very much. And, I, and there's, a, there's a TED Talk. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. There's a TED Talk on, on pornography. And if there's anybody... I have it. Yeah, it's very, I wish we could have shown it tonight. And one of the things... This is not by a Christian. One of the things he does in that talk is that he explains how um, what you see is, is almost like a mirage and yeah. that there's a, is, is a very commercial um, slavery-like yes. uh, thing happening at the back of it. That if you understood where a lot of these women, a lot of the men, if you understood the conditions in which they live, if you understand the fact that these people are, you know, are hooked on drugs, if you understood the fact that these people are essentially become commercialized, it's abuse. They're used like the same way you see men or people use um, animals to perform. That's what they're doing. He says there was something he did to him as an individual. Not a Christian, there's something he did to him. And I think anybody here you know, having issues, it's a useful place to even start in your mind. Um, we've got tons of questions here, and um, I'm just going to put, type all of them out and send them to Pastor Godman, since he's the one coming next week, because a number of them are not... What we wanted to do today, because it's, um, again, where praise has a lot of strength and grace, was to deal with a lot of the history and, that, and, and then a lot of the complexity and, and a lot of fantastic questions and I beg you to please come back on Thursday. We're going to deal with so I mean, I'm just going to print everything out. Uh, my sister's going to print everything. I'm going to give it to PG so he knows where to start with uh, next week. And, and um, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting. Some of the questions I couldn't even read twice. You know, that's how. But I just want to say something, and I'm going to hand over to praise to, you know, to try and, and, and then we'll pray. Now, I, I saw the small shade you threw at pastors when you started. How... <laughs> The psychologists are the ones that know how to do the thinking. We, I saw that small shit. A pastor but, can be a psychologist, actually. In fact, we recommend right now that they take professional exam because they interact, especially in our Nigerian environment. Um, we, we recommend that every church should have therapists or the pastors can go for. There are some short trainings that they can go for. It helps a lot more people. And the reason I say this is because there's a way we can discuss sex and the issues around it 
And um, I need to remind us that God is the one, A, who created us, and B, who created sex. And I say to people, when you pray, when you ask God to intervene, there are times when God answers with his power, and there are times when God answers with his wisdom. So for a number of times, God just shows you his knowledge and wisdom and understanding that he brings to you, and he delivers you. All right? In this season, uh, myself, there's actually a small team of people that are praying. It's not because we... We, we just want to be able to say, oh, give you instructions. Because it is that we understand that God has created sex, A, to be holy, to be beautiful, and to be powerful. And he has a purpose for it. And we live in a world that has abused that. So, so our, a lot of our knowledge and thinking and you know, things we see about sex are abused. And so we are, we are, we are at, at life point, we are passionate in this season and even beyond that people are restored. So I, I, I would say this. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Because, I mean, and it, it, there, is, there is what God will do when you approach him with a heart that is honest. And, and Prayer said something I think is powerful. He spoke about um, the new creation. It's interesting because as I pondered on what we will be teaching in the next month at a life point on Sundays, it's actually new creation. And I think Bumi is here and he will tell you, you know. And, and, and it is that when you actually become born again, it is more than just a title. It is actually the fact that there is, you know, I think it's in one of the, uh, the, the Old Testament books. It says there is a new heart. There is a new capacity, right? Um, body magic is the same. So all our bodies react when we see something that we think is pleasurable. But the capacity, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is self-control, all right? And there is how God, there's wisdom, there's, there's help available in the power of the new creation. And it's very important in this season that people lean on God. I'm going to ask praise to, I'm going to give him five minutes. So this is your unscripted, <laughs> <laughs> the unscripted um, uh, praise for five minutes. Sorry, can I have okay. someone on the keyboard? But Pastor Idris, okay. one thing we need to Do you need say, me to calm down? We need to say to people, no, it's this. I think we need to learn to be human beings. And I'll tell you what I mean. So if you look at a lady and you don't see a brain, you don't see a powerful person, you don't see a, your counterpart, you don't see a teammate, you don't see someone who can teach you something. If you look at a lady and the first thing that comes to your mind is sex or breast, something has gone wrong with you. And that's why you or a guy, a girl looks at a guy and what you see is bedroom. I, didn't want, I don't want to use the word mentally damaged but that's actually the right word. So we have guys who can't hold a lady. So the first thing I want you to do is to hold someone beside you. A lady. So hold her hands. Some guys will be shaking now. Hold only one lady. Some people are holding three. What's all this? Life points. John, no lady. Can you squeeze her hand a little bit? Just squeeze the hand a little bit. Some, some husbands are looking around. <laughs> And the guy holding their wife's hand. <laughs> John, I hope my wife is here. Who is holding her hand? And, and we need... Me, help me check. John, 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 John. Please, do this thing properly. Yes. So, between you, guy, and that lady, 
who is superior? Sorry? The guy. Who is superior? No one. Who is more intelligent between male and female? Who is more stupid? Who is wiser? The greatest damage we have done to ourselves in Africa, even in some other countries, is the fact that you look at a lady and something tells you that she's inferior to you. The Bible says, come, let us make man in our image. He did not say, come, let us make male. The word man there is the word mankind or humanity. Man is expressed in two gender. Female and male. So, when you look at these ladies, right? They are not different from you. God is in them. Vision is in them. Power is in them. But culture says otherwise. And that's where it starts from. That's why you look at them and you want to use them. That's why you go into marriage and you want to slap them. In fact, a woman is not a wife. There are two different things. A wife is a role. Womanhood is identity. And that's why, please, never step into the role of a wife until the womanhood in you is complete and intact. Have a dream. Be able to make your money and earn money. If anybody has a problem with that, is his problem. Because when you come to the table of marriage, you must not come from a position of weakness. You must come from a position of strength. And that's why if you look at, at the man, if you check the word wife, the word helpmate is the Hebrew word Isa. Isa means the kind of help that only God could have supplied. If you check Isa in Greek, is the word parakletos, which is the same word for the Holy Spirit. So why, that's why a woman can, a wife can sniff evil 10 miles away. She's got an instinct. That's why a woman can command, a wife suggests. Holy Spirit doesn't command you. He will suggest to you. But when you mess up, it will also part you. Your womanhood is so important and your manhood is so important. Now when we understand this, you see our generation needs to rebuild Africa. We can't fall for culture, tradition that has messed up our psyche. That you look at a woman and you are threatened by a car. A car is a tool, tool for transportation. A salary is intimidating you and you think ah, she's going to be proud. She's a human being for crying out loud. She didn't stop you from making your own money to buy your car. We need strong men. That's what I'm trying to say. Men who are real men. And trust me, this is not even about being born again. You don't need born again to show empathy. You only need to be a human being to show empathy. You don't need born again to respect the next person you see. You need to be a human being to do that. When you can't do that, and you need the Holy Spirit to begin to do that, it means your humanity is missing. We need to love one another. Let's not destroy ourselves. Let's build. Build a lady. She doesn't have to be your wife. Just build. Right? You build her for someone else. Just add value. And I think that's what we can begin to do for one another. So, let me quickly do a short therapy for you. I want you to take a very comfortable position. Now, again, again I ask, please, you want me to calm down? 
No, no, you can sit down. Just take a very comfortable position. You might want to sleep. You might want to. Now, you are going to change something. If you have a negative belief, negative perception about yourself, or you have an addiction that is weighing you down, I want you to mentally note that addiction. Now, the other thing you're going to note is, what would you rather have? So if your belief is, I am not good enough. What would you rather believe? I am good enough. Are we together? So you need to be able to pick the negative and the positive. Have you done that? Okay, can you just close your eyes? Can you take a deep breath and breathe out? Can you take another deep breath and out? Now, I want you to imagine that negative situation becoming a stone, heavy stone. And this stone is resting on your shoulder right now. That addiction, that negative belief is resting on your shoulder right now. How comfortable are you? Now, if you do this very well, it will liberate you tonight. How good do you feel about that stone on your neck, on your shoulder? Do you feel strength in your health, strength in your mind? Can you run faster with that stone? Now, I want you to pull that stone down and tie a rope around it. That stone of negative belief, negative image, that addiction that has held you bound. And I want you to pull that stone. You are pulling it forward as you go into your future. Now, I want you to fast forward into the next five years of your life. You are still pulling the stone. It's following you. You're pulling it. Look into the next five years. Add five years to your age. How strong do you feel? How healthy do you feel? How inspiring are you with this belief that has become a load following you? You are dragging it into that future. Who is talking to you? Who wants to become like you? Are you a role model with this stone following you? Now, fast forward into the next 10 years. 10 years. Add 10 years to your age. You are still dragging it. How do you feel in your health? How do you feel in your body? How inspiring are you? Now, drag it 20 years down the line. You are still dragging this into your future. In 20 years, 20 years plus your age, how old are you? Who is talking about you? How are your, who are your friends? How good do you feel in your health? Dragging this weight into your future. How 30 years your age right now? In 30 years, you are still dragging this into the future with you. How do you feel? Who wants to become like you? How healthy are you? How rich are you? What have you done with your life? In 30 years, you are still dragging it. Now, I want you to locate yourself on a very solitary part, a deserted road. And I want you to roll this stone to the left side of this road. As you roll it to the left side, you noticed a house. There's a mansion painted black. Now, you are rolling the stone and you are walking inside this house. You look tired, worn out. And as you step into this house, you notice it's deserted. There's no human being there. You are hearing some funny sounds. And you are afraid. And you are looking at yourself and wondering what you have done with your life. How you have carried this weight. 
and where it has led you exactly 30 years. Then suddenly you turn to your right. And as you turn to your right, you notice someone exactly like you. Like another of your type. But this guy is like a screen just opened up. And you are watching a new movie. Now this person, this new person is putting on a jacket. And it's a jacket of the other belief. Who you would rather be. Or the new behavior you want to have. That second one. He's putting on this jacket. How good does that jacket fit you? Um, how do you feel on the jacket? Now, I want you to see yourself putting on that jacket, running into the next five years. At five years, you're running on that same road. How do you feel in your body putting on this jacket of this new belief? Moving forward into your future. I guess it's inspiring. People want to be like you. Add 10 years to that. Fast forward. 10 years putting on this new jacket of self-belief. The jacket of you can make it. The jacket of this new behavior. Add 20 years to your age. You are still moving into the future. Who are you talking to? What news station is reporting about you? How many young people are coming to you for mentoring? Based on this new attitude, this new behavior. 30 years down the line. Hard 30 years. You are wearing this new jacket. Running into the future. How do you feel in your body? How do you feel in your health? How do you feel in your finances? In your career? Your profession? Now 30 years down the line, you have arrived at the same spot as this other guy. But instead of turning left, you turn right. And you notice the white house. White mansion, exactly the same size with the black one. And as you step into this mansion, with this, your jacket of self-confidence, your jacket of this new behavior, it was as if all the top people in the world have gathered around the table. And as you step into that place, they all start to sing, for you are a jolly good fellow, for you are a jolly good fellow. And so say all of us. And they all begin to hug you. And they begin to praise you. And people begin to testify of how your life has inspired them. Now you are close to crying. You are shedding tears of joy right now because of this new belief. And as you walk towards the door, you notice someone else on the other side in that black house. The other you. And you began to see what your future would have been like without this, without this new behavior. Then suddenly as you look at that guy, it was a sieve or spring developed and you were lifted off the ground as if you become an airplane and as if you are taken off. Now as you rise higher you notice that that addiction on that other side became smaller. It became smaller. The higher you rise the smaller it became. The higher you rise the more you lose sight. You lost sight of that weight. And the more conscious you have, the new you. But you notice something. As you rise higher, there were other people rising with you. And as you were rising higher, it was as if something was flowing like water out of your hands, bringing healing to other people rising with you. The higher you go, the more people you're able to bring healing to. 
And as you soar higher, you are giving glory to God for an inspiring life. And you are looking back at what God has done. Now I'm going to count you down to 10, I mean to zero, back to this church right now. 10, because everything you've seen is going to happen. 9, because God has a plan for you. 8, because your future is signed, secured, and you're going to deliver it. 7, because you're the great, greater lives the one that is in you than he that is in the world. 6, because success is yours. 5, because you are an inspiration to many. 4, because that addiction is not strong enough to stop you. 3, because your future is unveiled in this room and nations are going to call you blessed too because Jesus is for you and you are wearing his mentality so your life has actually disappeared is his life that you're living right now one because sin shall not have dominion over you congratulations you can open your eyes Let us put our hands together. Before we go, I like us to. I like us to. Um, just one thing on my mind. It's just a song of worship. I don't have a long prayer. I don't. I promise you, just one song. And I don't know what it is. You can sit. You can stand. But I like us to just give God three minutes or so. Um, the word in my heart is the phrase is streams of grace. So I like us to. Father, but you have a song. But I'd like you to just please just worship God. Um, there is something about you in God's presence. And I, it's a powerful, powerful way to end the meeting. Just one song of worship. Um, but before the song even comes, I'd like you to just, you can stand, you can sit, but I'd like you to just go ahead and worship, worship God um, this evening. I'd like you to just, it's a very important I thing. Father, we give you all praise. Father, we, Father, we worship. So I'd like you to please, please just go ahead and worship God from the bottom of your heart. Worship God for the youth. Worship God for the youth he has made. So, so please, let's follow God together.
streams of grace over our lives tonight um, we thank you because you are doing a great and awesome work we thank you because our lives count we thank you because our lives are beautiful we thank you because your grace is bigger than anything else we thank you because of unusual capacity and power we thank you for unusual wisdom thank you for resources and strengthening in this season. Our Father, we honor you. We give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together. Let's celebrate Jesus. Um, this, we'll continue this discussion on Thursday. Uh, Pastor Godman will be here. Um, Pastor, praise. Thank you so much. Let's put our hands together and celebrate for, for being a blessing. Uh, please do not forget, on Sunday, we host uh, Fela Durutui. Um, uh, he'll be speaking here on growing in influence. He's a phenomenal speaker. So please um, invite someone and come in early. It's going to be a wonderful service. Um, I said earlier, before we went up, if there's anyone who needs help, and there are people who need help, please reach out to us. Before the service ends, you will see um, the phone number on the screen. It's 08091 And it's, it's held 24 hours by someone who works very closely with me and the messages will come to me. Same thing, email address pi at elevation and at lifepointng.org. Okay, we trust God for a phenomenal time um, and I, I have, I have, I have, I have a good feeling in my heart. All right, help me nod someone beside you. Tell them it's, it's all going to be very good. Tell them with attitude. It's all going to be very good. Um, Dipo, thank you so much for being in the house. Thank you very much. All right, let's give an offering and and um, you ready to sing? Ready to sing? Yes. No. Let's give an offering and we'll bring the service to you. Are you excited, church, tonight? tonight. 